Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. The Game Day Premier League podcast will preview every single one of the weekend's games. But first, let's pay tribute to a legend. He was a really kind of happy, beautiful kid. Quite vulnerable. Not the person you kind of expect him to be now. And Maradona. There he goes. He won the United Scudetto for the first time ever with the team. He won the World Cup, becomes the best player in the world. But all of his problems really start there. Like a little eel, he comes away from trouble. Little squat man comes inside Butcher, leaves him for dead. Outside Fennec leaves him for dead and puts the ball away. And that is why Maradona is the greatest player in the world. Part of the appeal of, of Maradona was his very vulnerabilities, his fallibility, the fact that he would he would he would keep falling down and he would keep getting up again. Maradona going at them again. Brilliant run by Maradona. Fantastic goal. Unbelievable. In Naples, it was just off the scale because of the, it was an unfashionable club, and he made them the centre of the footballing universe for for two or three years, and and he was always the centre of the footballing universe wherever he was he was always the story and, and you know that's a, a both a blessing and a curse he was bigger than football wasn't he you know and, and still remains that way and I think it's just been an absolute delight to have him in around football being part of it and delivering exactly what he has over the years a lovely play there as Redondo tries to go through there's a short glorious goal he's done it Maradona! And look at these emotional scenes. There is something extra special. Well, hello to assistant editor of the Daily Mirror, Darren Lewis. Hello. 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 And Alex Crook, TalkSport transfer guru and football reporter. Gentlemen, it's it's Black Armbands Day, isn't it? It's uh, the death of a true sporting icon, flawed, conflicted, a true superstar, an icon and an absolute genius. My favourite moment recalling Maradona is the semi-final in Naples in 1990 at the World Cup where he's a star of Napoli. He spent the day before sitting at a press conference imploring the Neapolitans to side against their own nation and support Argentina, dividing and then conquering after a really tight game, taking what can only be described as an arrogant casual penalty that basically effectively won the semi-final and sent them into the World Cup final. Um, The man was an absolute sensation in in a number of different ways, Darren. What are your memories? 
Oh, well, my memory of him was watching him as a, a teenage boy scoring what is being widely described as the other goal, because I, I'm not too interested in the hand of God goal. The other goal, where he goes past Peter Reed, Terry Butcher, Trevor Stephen, I think it is. Per- Terry um, Butcher again. <laughs> yeah, oh, quite, exactly. He counts twice. Um, and then the goal came. It was just a thing of beauty. I remember Barry Davis's commentary from that, watching that match where he says, you have to say that's magnificent. I remember the genius that had preceded that World Cup. Everyone was so excited about Maradona long before Messi and Ronaldo. You know, there was this guy who was a tour de force. And I also remember, sad to say, him running towards the camera in 94 with his eyes darkened, shall we say. You know, we there were obviously very clear signs of the, the, the issues that had surrounded him. But I, I'll just say this very quickly. I think with Maradona, lots of people will say, he had these demons and that was a dark side to him in a way that's what made him so magnificent mm. this was an ordinary guy doing extraordinary things yeah he 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 was flawed but he was brilliant and as a footballer i think that's how he will always be remembered i think every now and again in sport we get someone who transcends their specific sport and maradona definitely did that um, we've been talking off mic about some of the front pages and, and the fact that they've decided to leave with the hand of God goal because that is what the wider public remember Maradona for. I had messages from friends and family last night when the tragic news broke who aren't even football fans, but everybody knows who Diego Maradona is. Um, and I think in some ways that is the, the ultimate tribute. Um, I'm a little bit younger than Darren. I don't remember vividly that goal against England back in 1986. And actually most of my Maradona memories um, are crafted from watching the excellent documentary, which I did during the first lockdown. Um, And I I didn't realise how impoverished his life was. I didn't realise how mad his life in Naples was. And the fact that he managed to box all that off when he stepped over the white line is an incredible tribute um, to his football abilities. He was a one-off. He was a flawed genius, but in many ways that only adds to the aura um, and to the intrigue surrounding the man that was Maradona. Eight mammoth previews to get through today, so we should start. Let's go to the champions. Shotter heads it in! And Liverpool are into the lead this time! It's the Premier League, and the Premier League is the strongest league in the world, so that means we have competitors more than we need. Brighton have come from behind to nick a point that they certainly deserve. We could have quite easily be sat here with double figures points and then the conversation's slightly different, but that's not the case. No point feeling sorry for ourselves and this is the challenge we've got. Live on TalkSport at 12.30 this Saturday, the first of three live commentaries from the Premier League. On game day are the champions against Brighton. Uh, a Brighton team who finally got what they deserved at times for their excellent build-up play uh, and they got some points. Uh, This is one of those games where they could get an absolute spanking if they aren't careful, but by the same token, they could cause Liverpool a few issues. And timing will be of concern. Liverpool changed a few new faces, put a few faces in the team on Wednesday night, and they got overrun by Atalanta, who could have won by more. Yeah, Jurgen Klopp has has already been bemoaning the fact uh, that once again his side have got to play at at 12.30, having played on a Wednesday night. I, I can half understand where he's coming from, but my sympathy um, is diluted by the fact that teams in the Premier League do very well um, from television companies. So it, it, it's hard to 
attack the hand that feeds you in many ways. I watched a lot of the game um, in midweek. I thought they were very flat, Liverpool. They're in lethargic, as you say, made some changes. I wonder if that positive um, COVID test has had more of an effect on Mohamed Salah than than maybe we see visibly. And I know you've touched on this in the past, Sam, that um, it, it, it does take the wind out of a player's sails because he wasn't yeah. um, quite a full pelt in that game. I think it's an intriguing one as far as Brighton are concerned because we know that Graham Potter wants to play football. He likes to play out from the back. He likes to try and um, attack on the front foot. I think he might have to be a bit cleverer with his tactics this weekend in terms of game management because if you try and go toe-to-toe with Liverpool for 90 minutes and they obviously have the attacking prowess to punish you so it's going to be fascinating to see exactly how he sets the team up but Brighton are confident they've been playing well all season as you say finally got the win that they deserved and a big game for Adam Lallana of course against his former powers I think he's important for the Seagulls uh, Liverpool are the best pressing team in the league aren't they Darren and if Brighton misplays one pass when they're trying to play out from the bat then they will be in trouble um, is it going to be a case for Liverpool of not having to really do anything other than what they usually do and just be patient set traps and wait for Brighton to make a mistake yeah I think so but they'll also have to be much more switched on at the back than they were against Atalanta in the Champions League because I didn't see that one coming even though the side were much changed a few people given the rest a couple of youngsters put back into the side but we saw in a game, the opening game of the season against Chelsea, where they tried to play out from the back and were punished big time yeah. in that, that match. So if Liverpool are switched on and are able to take advantage of uh, Brighton's attempts to play out from the back, they could get some joy. I think that we can forgive them the defeat in the Champions League. I mean, it, it has been coming. It does mean they've only won two of their last, sorry, one of their last three. But the other game was against Manchester City that they drew. And of course, they won last weekend to make it 64 games in the Premier League at Anfield undefeated. They're in good shape. I expect them to win. I wasn't that surprised by the Atalanta result. Um, I'd seen Atalanta a few times over the last few years, but more recently I did the first leg of the game uh, in Bergamo. And actually, despite the fact that uh, Liverpool won by five goals to nil, Atalanta had four or five really cracking chances during that match. And on a different day, that scoreline could have been incredibly different. Um, So I wasn't surprised by the fact that that they gave Liverpool a bit of a game, especially in the midst of what is a really congested period. I subscribe to the idea that there is a lot of games and that we should be doing our best to make sure that people have maximum rest. What I don't like is managers constantly moaning about the fact that um, the games kick off at a certain time and that they don't want this and they don't want that and dictating when things can and, and, and should happen because two reasons. The first reason is is that it is a very difficult situation. I know that Jurgen Klopp defended his uh, um, his viewpoint to Jeff Shreves in an interview where he said, if anybody else tells me about contracts, then I'm going to go mad because ultimately this is a different world and we all have had to adapt. Well, that is true in a way, but also what's the, what's the solution? What's the solution to that problem? We all have had to adapt and everybody has to work slightly differently and football clubs might have to work slightly differently as well. So ultimately, in terms of turning over, turning round games in very quickly, I don't think that you can, you can complain too much. You've just got to utilise the incredibly wide resources that you've got a little bit better um so and if you are going to moan about the fact that it's a 12 30 game you've got to present a an alternative there needs to be four games on a saturday because contractually you've got to you've got to do that so you're either going to give up 
the 12.30 and make it a 3 o'clock start, 5 o'clock start, 7 o'clock start, 9 o'clock start, which doesn't give much turnaround time or gap for TV to make advertising revenue in the middle. Or you're just going to have to accept that 12.30, 3 o'clock, 5.30 and uh, 8 o'clock is the way forward. Yeah, listen, I I, I totally agree. I, I think... I can understand uh, Jurgen Klopp's concerns about the well-being of his players, but I think he initially made the comments after he hadn't, if I'm not mistaken, used all of his substitutes in the game that he'd played against. Yeah, I, I, yeah but I think that's because, Darren, if you've only got three, you, you don't use all your substitutes because you're still concerned that someone else might pick up an injury towards the end of the game. So I think that argument that people keep coming up with, well, they're only using one substitute or they're only using two substitutes, is a bit flawed because... The reason I, I that is is because they're worried in the last 10 minutes the right-back might pull a hamstring, which is real pos- really possible because that has I, happened. Look, in, in, I, I don't agree. And I think in, certain, in, in, in the wider context, I think the idea of bringing in five subs might sound sound enough, might be sound enough now that there is a very obvious and an argument that we would be sympathetic to that we need to protect players in a congested period of fixtures. But in the longer term, what it will do... It will be. It will stack the game in favour of the biggest clubs with the best squads, yeah. in favour of the teams that can bring on the firepower to win games late on, if they intend to rest players for a Champions League or Europa League fixture a few days later. Let's not kid ourselves. It's hard enough for the teams lower down the football pyramid as it is without bringing in a rule that enhances the capability of the biggest teams to be able to to triumph on a regular basis. Use your big squad from the start. Just rotate more players. You've got great, great squads. Chelsea have got a huge squad. Liverpool have got a huge squad. Manchester City should have a huge squad. Um, So Manchester United, just use the lot. I'm not just saying this about Liverpool. I said the same thing when Solskjaer was saying it. Solskjaer, it's the same for Liverpool. It's the same for Chelsea. It's the same for Spurs. Spurs have got, sorry, Chelsea, for example, your team. I think you've got a period of around about eight games in two weeks or something ludicrous like that. You have got such a congested fixture period coming up, but that's why you've got big squads. That's why you've got talented young players coming through your academy. Mm. We have to be objective and fair about this. It's one rule for all. And as difficult as it is, we buy into a system where the broadcast money provides us with the opportunity to go out and get the big, biggest and best I players. Agree. It, it's a quid pro quo. We I have agree. to rough with the smooth. I think the other point that, that, that Sam alluded to is, is that this is a year like no other and therefore this is a season like no other. Footballers are still in a very privileged position. Correct. Uh, unlike many people in the country, they can still go about their job um, pretty much as they were before, albeit with no crowd and um, with one or two extra fixtures. I, I think um, there's a lot of people in worse positions than Jurgen Klopp and those Liverpool players right now. Uh, right. No Tarek Lamptey for Brighton, who have won just two of their nine games. Um, Lamptey's suspended, and that is a shame because he's been a delight to watch. Uh, Should we get to the top of the tree? Ah, Frank Lampard's record against Jose Mourinho has seen him knock his former boss out of the Carabao Cup when Mourinho was at Old Trafford and Frank Lampard was at Derby, and he became the first coach last season uh, to beat Jose home and away in the same campaign. When Chelsea did the double over Spurs last season. But as Chelsea and Tottenham clash this Sunday at 4.30, Darren, what happens? Oh my goodness me. This is the hardest game of the weekend to call because both of them are strong defensively. I would probably give Chelsea the edge defensively. 
offensively, both of them can score goals. Uh, Timo Werner, quick, composed, and just lethal in the final third. Harry Kane, not as quick, but certainly as devastating, able to bring Son into the play. I wonder if Gareth Bell might start this match because he's had a, a good run of fixtures. He's shown that he's nearly back to where they would want him to be. Will this game be won? Possibly in midfield, because Zingolo Kante in front of your back four for Chelsea is just so good at mopping up. Having said that, Hoybjerg, who we weren't too kind about here on the podcast, when he, it looked as though he was going to be signed and then... Uh, uh, wasn't that because he, they were asking for £35 million, though, not because he wasn't a good player? I, I, I can't lie. I, I was underwhelmed by him based on what he had done uh, for Southampton. I It did look like a lot of money for me, but I just was underwhelmed. But, they got him for 15 in the end, so we, we sort well, of had a reasonable <laughs> idea that that wasn't going to be the case. But anyway, he's definitely had a, a good impact. I, I admire you sticking up for me, but I'm, I'm just flinging myself on, on my sword here because I think I think Hoibier is, a, is an excellent example of a player who is better for playing around better players. You mm. see more what he does surrounded by better players than you did when he was at Southampton. But he's been brilliant mopping up Doing a Kante job, obviously Kante is of a higher class, but I think that might we well be the area where the game is decided. You know who can overrun, what, um, who can take charge in that midfield and launch a springboard for the offensive players to be able to decide the match. Chelsea have Kai Havertz back. Thiago Silva didn't play last weekend, but did play in midweek. Um, they created chance after chance against Newcastle. They had chance after chance away in Wren on Tuesday night, but they can't afford to be as wasteful this week against Spurs, can they, uh, Crook? Because Spurs won't give them as many chances. And Timo Werner missed a tapping again from about four yards out on Tuesday night. Frank Lampard will be pulling at what is his rapidly thinning hair. Yeah, it's interesting looking at those those two summer signings. Um, Havertz, in particular, I think at the moment is still struggling to adapt to the the pace and the rigours of the Premier League. And even Timo Werner, um, obviously, he's a very talented player. I think he makes some fantastic runs um, and he's a constant menace for defenders. But he does miss chances mm. as well. And I don't think you can afford to miss chances against this Tottenham side. I think the other interesting dynamic is the relationship between Jose Mourinho and Frank Lampard, which I'm not convinced is as cosy as perhaps some people in the media make out I think there's a respect there um, (laughs) but they both want to beat each other and we obviously saw the touchline spat in one of the games last season so I think there's going to be a bit of feist about this game as well it is going to be the game of the weekend I would say draw but for the fact that both men don't particularly like each other so therefore they're both going to go all out for victory one day one day We'll be able to tell you all the stories that have emanated in in the tunnel after games between the two, uh, but I can't. We can't tell them right now. Um, Chelsea's defence has been pretty impressive. Sorry, the goalkeeper has been pretty. The saviour has been pretty impressive. The fixer, Edouard Mendy, has kept eight clean sheets in eleven games and almost kept one on Tuesday night as well. But Kane, Son, Bergvine, and Bale, well, they possess. A real threat. It's going to be a fantastic show. I wonder whether or not we'll get another counter-attacking masterclass from Jose Mourinho at Stamford Bridge. Quite possibly. Right, on to Southampton against Manchester United. Forget your grey shirts and the dingy Dell. Southampton against Manchester United has got the potential uh, to be a goal fest. 
And Alex, with Southampton having a whole week to work on the game plan, this could spell trouble for a Manchester United side who still gave up chances in midweek. You know what? I text someone uh, watching the game at Wolves on Monday night when I thought Southampton were uber impressive as the away team. And I said that they'll beat United at the weekend. No question about that. Um, Uber. Uber. Why Uber? Uber, but what? Because you could share it and split the fee or... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Very good. Um, United, I, th- I thought United were good in midweek. And actually, I messaged you and said, why can't they play like this every game? I thought as an attacking force, they were superb. All right, you have to take the, the opposition into account. But it was the same opposition that embarrassed them in, in Turkey in the previous game. But there's just no consistency um, with Manchester United. As Darren said time and again, you can't trust this side under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. We know Southampton are going to be properly prepared, properly drilled. They will leave it all out there. And I think they will have more heart for the game than Manchester United. And I think they're going to win even without Danny Ings. I thought Shea Adams and Theo Walcott um, showed that they're forming the signs of a decent partnership in that game against Wolves. They've improved also as a defensive unit. So United's forward players are going to have to work hard to get in behind them. Is Anthony Martial going to have the stomach for this game? No guarantee of that either. I think it'll be a home win. Cavani down the middle did look a, a better fit, didn't he? He held the ball up well. He brought others into play. He made runs which allowed space for others when the ball was coming into the box. Do you think Solskjaer will keep him there, Darren? Um, possibly, um, because of his aerial threat, because his because of his ability to bring other people in the game. Yeah, I, listen, I, I like Cavani as a player, but over the years he has missed a lot of sitters. He does, mm. he does like to miss it. He don't like to miss a sitter, but you know what I mean. Um, but just in general, their attack looked good against a Bahakshahir side that were decent but not that great, um, and were able to take advantage of United defensive failings in the uh, reverse fixture. As Crook has just said. United are simply a team you can't trust. I've said it so many times on this pod, and that's the reason why I'm not convinced that they're going to follow this up with a victory against the Southampton side that have won their last three at home. They've won five of their last seven, uh, drawing the other two. They're in a good vein of form. Uh, They're confident. And I just think as far as uh, Man United are concerned, the key thing about them, on uh, the other night, was the last 15 to 20 minutes of the game, where perhaps you hear were pressing them, pushing them. And they switched off a little bit. Absolutely. They were starting to bend. And okay, they were helped by the fact that they were able to round it off late. Nice counter-attacking move. But the fact is that they are so weak at the back. And if Southampton go into the game with a bit of confidence and belief that they can pull this off, I think they could get something, something out of the game. Okay, Um, it's good to see Mason Greenwood back on the pitch, albeit only as a uh, second-half substitute on Tuesday night. It is time to spin the wheel with a little bit of swag. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Don it. Uh, Lucy, our esteemed producer, is here. She, we, we can see her. We can feel her presence. Uh, but she has laryngitis. Um, so um, she's not able to explain a new twist on roulette rivalry. Uh, Lucy, is there any chance you can just give us a croak just to, to, so we can say... Uh, see how you are. Just we can check in on your progress. Hello. Hello. Oh, it doesn't sound that uh, hot. Hot lemon and honey. I think is probably advisable for you. All right. Thanks. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, right. Um, so this this section of the the program uh, brought to you in association with Lemsit Lou um, is roulette rivalry. One to watch. Uh, where I'm going to challenge my two esteemed colleagues to talk about a player from one of the games of the weekend. This week, I want you to look at Everton versus Leeds for me, which is live on TalkSport. And I want you to give me 30 seconds each on the player that I dish out to you. And this week's ones to watch are Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Calvin Phillips and Patrick Bamford. Now, I'm not going to take part because obviously I know what's coming. But I will pick one for, for one of you two. I don't want any waffle, okay? So I've got my timer here because uh, I've, I'm well prepared. Well, I'm not actually. I'm looking for it furiously. Uh, and uh, Crook, could you give me 30 seconds, please, on the influence on the game between Everton and Leeds United of Calvin Phillips? <laughs> See, I knew you wouldn't give me Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, and I was actually hoping Harrison would be on that list because he's rapidly becoming my favourite Leeds player. But I think it is an important. On. I think it is an important game um, for Phillips because we know all about Everton's uh, creative threat. Um, I remember watching them down at Southampton when Ralph Hasenhutl, um asked Oriol Romeu to mark James Rodriguez out of the game, a job he did very well. And I'd imagine it will be similar um, for Phillips just sitting in front of that Leeds defence. I think it's a key battleground. Uh, but if you can keep James Rodriguez quiet, as teams have proven this season, then you can have some success. I think he's got the discipline, Phillips, to do that. I think he... Um, He's very good at implementing a game plan that's given to him by Marcelo Bielsa. 
So, so I wouldn't be surprised if he came out on top in that particular duel and that will give Leeds the opportunity to use their own attacking instincts and maybe get some joy. They were very good against Arsenal, created a plethora of, of chances without managing to put the ball in the back of the net. That would have frustrated Bielsa. I think it might be a better afternoon for them because Everton weren't convincing in that second half and that coincided with James Rodriguez, the man who's going to be marked by Phillips, getting tired and disappearing from the game. Yeah, you talked for one minute, 12 seconds there, so not bad at all. I was impressed. Um, uh, Darren, no, just do Patrick Bamford straight away because I know you're not going to give me Calvert-Lewin. Um, no, no, I want you to do Dominic Calvert-Lewin, please. Oh, wow. Okay. The and your time one. starts now. Well, he's growing in stature. He's growing in confidence. His numbers last season or before Ancelotti's arrival were very modest, as we know, since Ancelotti's arrival. He ended up with 15 goals last season. He is up there with the top scorers this season. And he is flying. And the best thing about him is that there is a hunger and an edge to his game that he did not have beforehand. I think he could easily settle this game because Leeds, with their enterprising style of play, will leave gaps at the back for him to exploit. I think also that his mentality is different. He goes into every game believing he can score, regardless of what goes on behind him in defence. And obviously that back line does need some work for Everton. I think Everton... Uh, Leeds don't quite know what they want to be at the moment and that's the reason I've got so much confidence about uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin scoring. Bielsa wants to stay with his principles and attack. Some Leeds fans are getting a little bit nervous with them falling like a stone. I think they're 14th in the league at the moment and they believe that maybe it might just be time to shut the door at the back a bit. So um, I expect Calvert-Lewin to go in and take advantage of that uncertainty, score a couple of goals and enhance his credentials. Last weekend, you know, they were talking about um, what they were asking Bielsa about his chances of winning the Premier League Golden Boot, no less. So you can tell that he is a striker very much on the up and a striker that many people expect to fill his boots against Leeds this weekend. Well, he is out on his own as the Premier League's top scorer with 10 goals. He's got 15 goals in 16 appearances this season. So um, certainly he is a contender for winning the Premier League's golden boot. Well done. I sprung that on you and I quite enjoyed watching you both squirm. Um, that's probably my favourite thing that's happened today so far. Right. Shall we turn our attention to the relegation six-pointers? What we have to do, and I told the players, and the players know what boxes we have to do to have a chance to stay up. Sheffield United are back on level terms at Bramall Lane. Stick together, we've got to keep working hard, we've got to have another positive week, and we go to West Brom, see if we can um, get a result there. Let's start off with West Bromwich Albion against uh, Sheffield United. There is an argument, isn't there, uh, to be made that this is the biggest game of the weekend because. West Brom or Sheffield United, if they lose this game, as tough as hard, uh, as harsh as it sounds, that could be curtains already, couldn't it, Crook? 
I think it possibly is curtains already, even before a ball has been kicked. We mentioned that stat about Sheffield United, one point from nine games. Only two teams in the history of the Premier League have started a season in such bad form. Both have been relegated. I think it's a massive job um, for Chris Wilder, arguably a bigger challenge than getting them into the Premier League in the first place. This is a must win for both teams. I thought West Brom acquitted themselves very well um, against uh, an under-par Manchester United at Old Trafford, but still ended up um, losing the game and, and didn't create enough opportunities. It's Derby the doom for me. I think they'll both get relegated. Whoever wins the game will just be buying themselves a stay of execution. Great. Well, uh, thanks for that uplifting uh, chat. I'm sure that uh, Baggies th- fans everywhere and Blades fans everywhere will add you to the growing list of supporters club that uh, are joining the hashtag, which I think was trending at some point last week on Twitter, hashtag sack Alex Crook. Uh, t- 12, 12 league games without a win and worse than that, Darren, Sheffield United, 11 defeats in that time. Suggests a side that have just come off the bridle a little. Uh, and even if that is the case, and it's only 5%, that makes a massive difference in the Premier League, doesn't it? Those small marginal areas where last season you were just maybe just performing above your uh, ability and getting to the ball faster than someone in certain circumstances can have a butterfly effect. You know, the Premier League finds out so many of these teams that do well in the championship or come into the Premier League and do well in that first season. That second season is the the, the one where if you've managed to get away with it first time around, opposition teams, they strengthen, they beef up, their know-how tends to find you out. And if you have bad bits of luck, those bits, uh, one bit could turn into another, into another, and suddenly you've gone 10 games without a win and your confidence is at rock bottom. Chris Wilder's been having to really defend his players i saw one particular couple of interviews actually last weekend where he started to say look don't look at them look at me they're happy with the, i'm happy with the way that they're playing i manage this football club take the focus onto me and he's obviously trying to take the bullets for his players but the truth is that defensively they're not good enough they're not scoring enough goals it's all a recipe for relegation and actually you know i know you were a bit pessimistic about West Brom, but I look at West Brom's performance. They were robbed by the incompetent performance of David Coote last weekend against Manchester United, who was starstruck by all of the United players all around him and second-guessed himself after that VAR debacle. Do you believe that? Do you, but do you yes, really think that absolutely. that was the case? He was starstruck by the Manchester United players around him. Do, do referees, does that really happen to them? That's the only conclusion I could come to because... You know, there were some very obvious decisions in that match that he should have given. There is no way that he should second-guess himself on the evidence of what somebody somewhere else thinks when he is on the scene. He is close to the action and he has made a call in relation to the penalty. And even if he were to overturn that decision, is that clear and obvious? No. no. Um, but is it is that not just a sign, not necessarily of influence by the Manchester United players or by his... His sort of star I'm not struckness. saying he's influenced by them. Might might not be just a lack of confidence in his own ability. There you go. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Either way, however, I actually don't know I've which been... was more concerning, to be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but the the point remains that as far as West Brom were concerned, I like the way they played. I look at last week. People were saying United, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, they were putting him under the pump and saying you should be beating West Brom threes and fours but hang on Spurs only beat them 1-0 Kane scored late on in that match in the 88th minute Chelsea 
they were 3-0 up and pegged back. Sorry, they were 2-0 down to West Brom. They were 3-0 down. 3-0 down. There you go. And managed to get the draw uh, against West Brom. They, I think they, they are not getting the results their performances deserve. And uh, I actually think they'll win this. I do think it's interesting you say that because they create chances, don't they? They always look to have a goal in them, even if they don't actually score that many. They gave Manchester United's goal frame a whack last week as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sheffield United create chances, but they've just got no one to put them away. And I think I've, 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 instead of being unlucky in those decisions where you get in front of goal and last season they were nestling in the corner, the, the odd one or two were going in the corner. Now they're making wrong decisions in front of goal. And last week, Ollie McBurney had two great chances, but he, he made wrong decisions. And I think ultimately that is the problem, Crook. Well, if you were a pigeon and Olympic with Bernie was holding the gun down below, you'd be quite confident, wouldn't you, of surviving? Um, <laughs> could I just ask a, a it serious where question? where the pigeon was, doesn't it? I mean, if it was close or it was far out? Or... <laughs> could I just ask a question about Sheffield United? And I was um, saying, even when the season restarted, that this was basically a championship team that have overachieved. If and when they get relegated, how many of their players get a move back to the Premier League? I can only think of one definite player. Mm, but but see, we fell into that trap when we were um, not that overwhelmed by Hoybier. Sometimes a player who looks ordinary in a football team. You think about Andy Robertson. When Hull went down, how many people saw Andy Robertson going to Liverpool and being among the best fullbacks in European football, not just in the Premier League? So it's hard to say at this point that you would look on the team sheet and not see any of those players in a higher calibre team. Um, if Ender Stevens ends up with a Champions League winner's medal, Darren, I will pay you a lot of money. I can't think of anyone who will be transferred out of that team. Who would you take? Sanderberg? Well, there is talk, for example. I, I Maybe. Saw some, uh, yeah. Sanderberg with Arsenal, which my eyes nearly popped out. Well, I, I mean, did say to you that he that, uh, earlier in the season, and Crook will back me up on this, that he you could tell that in the first six months of being in the Premier League, he struggled with the physicality of the game. But actually, once he'd sort of got to grips with that, and he spent a lot of time during lockdown bulking himself up and getting a little bit more physically fitter, he's actually, you could see the difference in his quality. So he's obviously a very good player. And he comes from great stock. The the academy from which he came through is the same academy that produced Ndidi, um, Kevin De Bruyne, Thibaut Courtois, etc., etc., etc. I mean, the thing is, you know, Ampadu is a Chelsea player. Uh, Lundstrom, I think, could go into a Premier League side. Clearly not a top. But he is going to leave, isn't he? That's what the fallout's all about. Indeed. Exactly. He's not committing himself to a new deal. I'm surprised that he's getting any football because I'm always of the opinion if players don't want to commit themselves to what you're doing, then play players who are committed to what you're trying to do. But at the same time, Wilder's not cutting off his nose to spite his face. He knows how good the player is. And Lundstrom's a good professional as well. So it's all very difficult in that situation, but I just think the team are not good enough at the moment and um, every little mistake they make is being punished and I think, as Crook says, that's why they're going to go down. Okay, um, what are you doing Friday night? I mean, I'm not trying to date you, but uh, what, what are you doing Friday night? Anything? I'll tell you what special? I won't be doing. No, don't, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me, because I want to ask you a question first of all. Um, <laughs> because uh, Friday night's TV offerings are Gogglebox, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. A repeat of Only Fools and Horses on gold. Oh, FA, Cup sec- FA Cup second round football. Have I got news for you? Or, or, 
Crystal Palace versus Newcastle. Two of the three sides that like the ball the least. No Zaha, no Callum Wilson. <laughs> I mean, if this game hasn't got nil-nil written all over it, I don't know what has. Well, I should be watching Del Boy and Rodney, I think. Um, <laughs> that will be much more entertaining. Are they playing seeing, in midfield? Than seeing two teams trying to give each other possession. I mean, if ever a game was set up for a goalless draw, then surely... Surely it is this one. But i tell you what, since I made my comments about Newcastle, I, I, I'm now very well aware of what the Toon Army think of Steve Bruce. And, and those dissenting voices do seem to be getting louder and louder as the week goes. If they do serve up a, a turgid, goalless draw or even get beat on TV on Friday night, the pressure is really going to mount on him. Uh, the one thing that Newcastle do have in their armory is they seem to have this uncanny knack of winning um, games when they need to. And also picking up the odd result away from home. They've only lost one of their last seven on the road, Darren. Yeah, they have. The problem is that for the firepower that they have, I don't think they score enough goals, first of all. And defensively, they are far from secure. I'm surprised you think it's going to be a nil-nil draw. I I think that there are goals in this game. Yeah, they do. Absolutely, I do. Um, I think... The, the last few matches between Crystal Palace and Newcastle have been 1-0, Yeah, But we, we all know that history, you know, is, is you can't rely on what was. Yeah, Darren, come on. You're more, you're more comical there with that prediction <laughs> than Neil Boy and Rodney. I bet, I bet you t- tenner. Hold on, hold on. Ch- Channel 4 I've just called. Darren can have his, uh, his own comedy <laughs> show on Friday night to go head-to-head with Crystal Palace against Newcastle. Such are his wonderful witticisms. <laughs> have conceded in each of their last three games, Newcastle, five goals in total. And I just think um, as far, I think Chelsea scored two against them, Southampton scored two, Everton scored one. At the back, they're just not good enough. And, and, they, think, and they got off lightly, by the way, with two at Chelsea and two, uh, two at home to Chelsea and two against Southampton. Southampton have got Danny Ings, Chelsea have got Timo Werner, Everton have got Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Crystal Palace have got Jordan Ayew. Oh, sorry, I was... Uh, <laughs> well, they've got Eze, they've got um, uh, Mishibachiwai. Okay, and you're going to roll your eyes and say, oh, no, well, they're hardly world beaters, but, you know... Bachiwai only uh, scores in a Belgium shirt. Yeah, I, I take that, but the fact is that Newcastle could make players like him look good in this match because at the back they are so uncertain, so all over the place. And again, you know, I think if... There are goals in this game, Crook. You will buy me breakfast, okay? Okay, and and if not, you'll buy me breakfast. Listen, I've got a hearty appetite. <laughs> I was going to say, that's going to cost one of you a lot more than the other. <laughs> Let's move on to the also runs. Let's turn our attention to Arsenal versus Wolves. Well, well, well. After getting away with the We Showed Character with 10 Men card last week, Mikel Arteta isn't going to escape without scrutiny much longer if Arsenal lose to Wolves. Is he, Darren? Uh, No, he won't. I I think at Arsenal, the pressure is on, rightly so. Fans not happy with the way that the team are playing, their inability to win. I don't think last weekend is down to Nicola Pepe having a rush of blood and getting himself sent off. They're not scoring enough goals. Aubameyang hasn't scored 
I think he's only scored once or twice since he scored he once his... since he signed a new contract, and that was uh, from a penalty against Manchester yeah. United. I don't know. I, I think part of that might be that he isn't getting enough supply. It, there's there's just a lack of cohesion in the final third. Can, can it can it be just that? I mean, I mean. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is a goal machine. Surely he can score a goal from nothing. I mean, he's not even having shots. They only had two shots in that game. I mean, look, I don't think it's anything to do with his quality. I don't think it's anything to do with his appetite. And I don't think it's anything to do with Arteta. I just think that what's happening now is Arteta is realising that that side needs more of an overhaul than he thought. It's very similar to Spurs down the road. And I, I think last summer they felt that that bringing one or two players in after reaching the Champions League final constituted an overhaul, and it clearly didn't. They needed more players out, they needed more players in. That's absolutely the same at Arsenal. Arteta, for me, is the right man. We know he knows how to set up a team. We know how he knows how to pull off big results on a consistent basis. He did it on the way to winning the FA Cup last season. But what we know about this current side is that it needs more work. And I think in terms of uh, up front, he needs to configure a different way to get more out of Aubameyang because we all know he can score goals. We all know he has scored goals from where he plays at the moment. But if something's not happening, we all know the definition of insanity. Same thing over again, expecting... He should have learned that from his old boss, shouldn't he, really? Let's be honest about it. Um, the, 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 The tactical framework is fine and saying that he's won big games is fine. But it's a pretty basic model, isn't it? Defend your way to stay in the game and then hit on the counter-attack against the big teams. I mean, you can't do that against Burnley, can you? And you can't do that against Leeds United away from home. If you don't have the resources, uh, if you're you know, if, if you're at the bottom of the table, Sheffield United or West Bromwich Albion, you can play like that. But ultimately, this is a squad with players that need to be released in order to flourish. And if you are spending £72 million on a striker, if you are spending uh, north of £250,000 a week on your captain to score f- to fail to score in four of your last five league games that's pretty inexcusable isn't it cook yeah and clearly whatever tactics arteta is deploying don't play to obamiang's strength he's only had 13 attempts on goal in the whole premier league season um so far he's not a striker who when he's not being serviced has much of an impact on a team's performance so i think that is a major problem and and probably the major factor in why Arsenal are performing so badly at the moment. He's had 29 games now, uh, Mikel Arteta, 46 points from those 29 games. That's nine fewer than Unai Emery after the same period of matches. That's two fewer than Bruce Rioch, who's widely regarded as Arsenal's <laughs> worst manager of the Premier League era. So, l- listen, you can shake your head, Darren. I know he delivered the FA Cup, but sooner or later... Scrutiny is going to come on Mikel Arteta. And I think in some quarters, it's coming already, not just from us as pundits, but from Arsenal fans as well, not happy with the football um, that is being served up. There was even one caller on TalkSport asking for Arsene Wenger to return. <laughs> There's no patience in football. 29 games for me, it's, it's almost a half a whole season, only nine games short of a whole season. That should be enough time to make your mark on the side, in my opinion. Uh, listen, I, I, you're, you're right. I don't actually disagree with what you're saying at all. Or I do obviously despair sometimes at, at some of the crazy things that, that fans say, but you make a good point backed up by stats. So I don't, I'm not shaking my head because of that. All I will say is this under Emery, I had no idea where the club was going. Uh, Emery's authority, he didn't exude authority. He, 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 um, he, there wasn't a clear target, there wasn't a clear direction. Under Arteta, you know what he wants, you know how he wants to play. 
you know um, all about the discipline that he exerts at the club. Um, you know what he is trying to do. And along the way, there will be bumps. This is a bad period for what he is trying to do. But I still think that he is the right man because he is clear about what he wants to do and who he wants to take with him. So I'm not worried about this little kid. If I were an Arsenal fan, as I say, I'm not an Arsenal fan, but if I were, I wouldn't be worried about this. We knew a time like this would come in. I would be saying if I was an Arsenal fan and it's about getting out of the other side and the club saying staying strong and backing him. But I think the signs already from what he did during the back end of last season are good enough for them to see his way through this difficult spell. Okay, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you and say that he needs to start putting points on the board very, very quickly. Uh, Wolves have won six of their last 12 on the road in the Premier League. And they uh, only have one focus this year. I spy a little bit of trouble for already bottom half Arsenal. Uh, Let's move on to Manchester City versus Burnley. Even Manchester City should not have too much trouble scoring against Burnley, who they've lost, uh, who have lost their last four games against City by an aggregate scoreline of 15 goals to one. Uh, But if they do, they can forget about the title. Ten goals they've scored this season in the Premier League, Manchester City. And that, quite frankly, Crook, is a paltry total. Yeah, and they had so many shots on goal in the Champions League against Olympiacos. It was so one-sided, that game. Uh, it was almost embarrassing and backs up my point about the the, the the quality in the Champions League group stage has been badly diluted because the chasm in class between those two teams was, was evident for all to see. But ultimately, they've only scored one goal. Um, and it is a problem. They, there's a lot of possession without penetration at the moment for Pep Guardiola's team. How many P's did I get in that sentence, by the way? Obviously, they've got Aguero back. He came on towards the end and uh, will benefit from the minutes. I think they'll beat Burnley. I think they'll dominate the ball. I think they'll create lots of scoring opportunities. But at the moment, I don't have a particular amount of faith that they're going to score stacks of goals. They normally do in this fixture. I think Burnley have lost 5-0 on numerous occasions against Manchester City. I think it'll be closer than that because of City's profligacy in the final third. Yeah, Sean Dyche's team have been lucky that Fulham, West Bromwich Albion and Sheffield United have been so bad because otherwise I think there'll be a huge focus on his position. I think they'll drop this season. I've got to be honest. I think they'll go. I think one of the others will grab out of it. I, I, I know that they beat Crystal Palace recently, but they've scored four goals. Four. Four goals. And they ain't going to be scoring any this weekend, are they? No, they're not. And one of those sayings that is true of Burnley is that if you circle the drain for long enough, eventually you will go down. And I think as far... What they will learn this season and what they are learning already is that you simply cannot stay in the Premier League if you don't invest. Norwich came up, believed they could stick to their principles, quote-unquote, and do it, and they went down. The countless other teams have done the same, and Burnley are learning that as well. Dyche at the start of the season in the summer was saying, look, we need more players, we need better quality. They didn't bring in enough, and this is the result. Five defeats and two draws, only one victory in the Premier League all season. The other victory they had was in the EFL Cup against Millwall. And I I, I can see, I can easily see City winning. I think Burnley will park the bus to try and keep them out, but I can see them scoring two or three goals. Uh, There may be trouble ahead. Uh, Okay, thank you very much to Darren Lewis, the assistant editor of the Daily Mirror, and to Alex Crook and his big thatch of hair. Uh, We appreciate you uh, 
uh, being around for us this uh, this this morning. Uh, that's it from us. We'll be back with you on Monday for a look back on the weekend's football. Uh, please rate and review the podcast and let us know what you think and tell all your friends about it. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Britain feels broken, but how do we fix it? Westminster just doesn't seem to have the answers, but we have found some people who do. Join me, journalist Becca Hudson. And me, the former MP Ed Vasey, for... How I'd fix. From the price of a pint to the housing crisis, this is the show where we take an alternative look at the problems plaguing the nation. And hear practical solutions from those in the know. Catch new episodes of How I'd Fix wherever you get your podcasts. Rebuilding Britain starts here.